Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. Welcome into another edition of the Baseball America College Podcast. Um, it's uh, October, and while there is MLB playoffs going on, and that's all very exciting, last night there was no playoff baseball to talk about. So we're here instead. We're going to talk about recruiting rankings that we released yesterday. Ole Miss was number one. That's the first time in program history that Mississippi has been number one in the recruiting rankings, and actually the first time in school history that any sport has had a number one recruiting class uh, for, for Mississippi. So um, they had a very exciting class, and we will have Coach Mike Bianco on a little later uh, to talk about that class and, and how it all got put together. You know, him and his assistants, Carl Lafferty and uh, Mike Clement, did a great job on that class. And so you know, we'll let we'll let Coach Bianco tell you about it uh, in a little bit. We're going to talk about some other things first. Um, the top five, the rest of the top five uh, was North Carolina and then Florida, Louisiana State, and Texas Christian. You can get the full top 25 on BaseballAmerica.com and uh, full breakdowns of the, the, the top 25 classes for subscribers are, are there and everyone can see the list and uh, you know, read some stuff about um, the larger national scene. But if you really want the, uh, the nitty-gritty on your, your favorite team's class or on the, the incoming freshman uh, just in general, you need to subscribe. It's a great time to subscribe. Beyond this, um, you know, we have the league top 20 prospects that wrapped up today, and then tomorrow, or then in the f- starting soon, we will we'll start with the top tens uh, for for all 30 MLB teams. But I want to bring in uh, Mike Lanana, Jim Schonard. We're going to talk about some of these incoming players and some of the guys that that stood out to them. Um, you know, among the, the incoming freshmen. Like I said, the Ole Miss class, very good, uh, led by Cooper Johnson, Thomas Dillard, Ryan Rollison, Will Etheridge. They're all great players. But, Mike, you wanted to talk about a player in the number two class, North Carolina, uh, Luca Delatry, who's a two-way guy, and, um, you know, he's pretty polished uh, both on the mound as, and as a hitter. Yeah, and he's uh, he's got that great Italian name, which is obviously uh, you know a, a bonus in, in his favor. But yeah, Luca Delatri uh, saw him in, in Jupiter last year, got a good hard look at him, and you know he's a guy. I mean, first of all, just his size, you know, really jumps out to you. I mean, six foot six, two hundred forty pounds is what he's listed at here, and I mean he he looks every every bit of six foot six, two hundred forty pounds. You know, he's an intimidating force on the mound, and you know he throws with very clean mechanics, very very easy delivery, and he's a very polished starter with a you know a legitimate starters mix and he's a guy who you know could you know potentially slot into that rotation you know right away for UNC or maybe get some midweek starts I mean you know you never know how they're going to use their pitchers but you know he, he certainly has the the stuff and the poise to to be you know a workhorse in that rotation and you know the thing that I think is even more intriguing with him um, not necessarily where his future is as a player but just the the thump that he provides with his bat um, is something that UNC, you know, could could use in their lineup. Something they missed last year, some some right-handed power in their lineup. So he's someone who could really impact that team, you know, both offensively and on the mound. And someone who I think could, you know, really really help that club this year. You know, if they if they use him on both sides of the ball, which it sounds like they're planning to. 
Yeah, that UNC class, uh, they brought in an awful lot of pitching. Um, they have six players that ranked in the BA 500 last spring, and five of them are pitchers, and that includes uh, Delatry. Um, Jim, how do you... Uh, how do, you, how do you manage that kind of staff? Um, you know, they got a new pitching coach at UNC. Robert Woodard comes in. Uh, Scott Forbes moves over to uh, take over the hitters, and Scott Jackson went to become the head coach at Liberty. I mean, it's a it's a it's a good problem to have, but I mean, Check, it is yeah. it is a it is a thing that they're going to have to figure out how to get these guys innings. Certainly, I mean, they've got obviously JB Bukowski is coming back, but they lost Zach Gallon, and they their third starting role was always kind of up in the air last year. It felt like so. Feels like there should be some opportunities for some of these guys, and like I said, you know, five pitchers. They're all in not just top five hundred; they're all in the top two hundred. So they've all got. The, you figure at least a couple of those guys should be ready to contribute, and I mean, Carolina is always. I mean, certainly they've been known for pitching over the years. Ever since the uh, you know the Andrew Miller, Daniel Bard days, that's always been a strength of that program. And we'll see what you know. Kind of their issue over the last few years has kind of been they just haven't necessarily developed the depth. They've had some premium arms, but they've. Kind of shorten their uh, shorten their bench, I guess you would say, as a as the way they've handled their staff. But um, certainly with the you know the amount of these guys coming in, you expect them to, to find some innings for them. I mean, you got between the the weekends, the midweek games, you got enough opportunities. You would think to get them all out there and see who's see who's ready and see who can pitch on the weekends for you as a, you know right off the bat. One of the things that, that I found while I was working on these rankings is that the top classes did a really good job of, of keeping their, uh, their top prospects. And that might sound like, of course, that's why they're the top classes. But, you know, last year, um, Vanderbilt lost several of their, their top pieces and was still the number one class. Um, you know, Florida last year was number two, and they, they got hit in the draft a little bit. And that just didn't happen this year that – UNC only lost one player from its class. Ole Miss lost one player who was a two-sport player for, for Mississippi. A.J. Brown uh, was is a football player who was also going to play baseball. Um, so they weren't. That, that's not a player that, that Mississippi was significantly counting on having a, a, as a part of their recruiting class. Um, you know, and, and throughout the top five, there just weren't that many losses. That, that's just a an interesting thing, and. It, that that this year's draft presented, we'll see if it uh, turns into more. Of it a does trend. feel like there are more. Just looking at the, you know, looking at the charts and everything we have here, there there are more BA five. You know, see those little rank, you know, notations of what guys' ranks were in the five hundred, and there are a lot more of them this year. It feels like in the last few. I feel like usually even like the top classes would have maybe like three or four. This year we got at uh, Ole Miss with what? What do you say? Eight, seven, seven eight. North Carolina was six. Uh, Florida was six. LSU five. So I mean that's. It definitely feels like more premium guys got through this year, and uh, and you know, and just going back to North Carolina, I mean, they were you kind of mentioned, uh, kind of hitting on this that they you know they were kind of a program that's had some rough luck with this uh, draft stuff the last few years. So that's uh, that's another reason this is a big class for them to get get those guys through there. Yeah, Mike Fox said that um, you know they're they're they've been on both sides of it before that you know they've they've been there when their their classes get rated by uh, by the draft, and you know this year they they got a little bit more fortunate. Um, to get these guys through, and um, you know, now we'll see what they can do when they uh, when they get them on campus. That's a program that that missed the tournament the last couple of years, so um, you know they have talent on the team, and, and this adds to that. But you know, there is going to be uh, you know they, they need these guys. You know, they they want to get back to the tournament. Um, you know, of course, and uh, you know they've uh, they've got some talent coming in to to help them do that now. 
Another trend that I saw uh, this year was that the West Coast, the Pac-12 schools, did did a good job in, in recruiting. There, there are several of them. I want to say it's seven in the top 25, um, and there are four in the top 10, uh, led by Stanford, but also Arizona State, Washington, and Arizona. And uh, they all have, have uh, some, some exciting players. Arizona State maybe has the most exciting with Hunter Bishop, uh, very toolsy, uh, was initially committed to Washington to play football, and then uh, where his brother went? Yeah, his brother end. played baseball there. He was going to go play football there. He's a wide receiver, um, and then he decided not long after making that commitment, actually, um, that he no, he wanted to play baseball. He didn't want to give that sport up yet, and so he decided to uh, to go to Arizona State, and that'll be an exciting one. And Arizona, I mean, that rivalry. I know I've said this before that Tracy Smith and it is doing a great job at Arizona State, and we know that the staff at Arizona last year obviously did, did an incredible job, led by Jay Johnson, to, to get them to the College World Series Finals in their first year. And, um, you know, they, they both have top ten classes this year, and I, I'm i excited to see this going forward. Nick Quintana is a guy, for me, in, in the Arizona class that kind of stands out. He's a third baseman probably, but he can play a few different infield positions. He can play shortstop, but he, he profiles best as a third baseman. He's got some juice. He's got some good feel for hitting. Um, this year, he might be asked to replace Bobby Dahlbeck there at, at third base for the Wildcats, and uh, you know he should be able to do a do a good job there. Uh, step in right away and and hit, and then you know develop into a, a bigger piece as uh, as they go forward. Um, and that Arizona class in general is just very interesting. It was very junior college heavy. That's a, uh, two top ten classes that went went about it very different ways. Yes. Yes. Um, Arizona needed some junior college players. They um, they had lost a lot of seniors last year from that runner-up team. So they uh, they bring in some junior college players. Arizona State, a couple JUCO players themselves, but you know, like Jim said, different ways. Very very much high upside high school players, which is what Tracy Smith really does. Uh, you know, Hunter Bishop um, is a is a great fit for for that Arizona State system, I think. And um, yeah, they got some uh, some northern. Uh, yeah, it's a very national approach at Arizona State uh, in terms of recruiting, uh, which will be interesting to see going forward as well. Because, you know, I mean, it's a it's a pretty good place to recruit to there in, in Phoenix. Um, I, I like the addition of Jake Godfrey. Yeah. Too as well. You know, former pitcher at LSU, a guy. One of, who, one of those junior college kids. Yeah, a guy who came in with Alex Lang, who they really, had really high help, hopes for, and it just didn't work out at LSU. But obviously, a guy with stuff and a guy with a lot of potential. So. I think that's a really interesting addition too. Absolutely, um, it, the the Stanford class I want to mention as well. This is uh, this is a very good class going into Mark Marquez's last year. Uh, they're also like UNC. They're trying to get back to the tournament after a little bit of a drought. And um, I mean, there's talent on the Stanford roster already. There's more talent in this class. Um, I think they're setting up pretty well for the spring. Uh, and I think they've they've got a sleeper in that class too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luke Sleeper, left-handed pitcher. So he is the sleeper of the class. <laughs> it's it's incredible, and uh, I think Mike is going to have a lot of fun with that. If uh, I already am, uh, you are. But if he if he turns out, I, mm-hmm. I envision lots of lots of puns uh, for from you. Of course, I also have to give a shout out to Andrew Dashbach, my uh, next addition to the the all German team. I'm going to put together <laughs> Dashbach. He is uh, he's he's got a powerful bat there for for Stanford. Him and Daniel Baxt, who maybe is that German? Uh, not sure. 
Okay. Uh, well, they're not both, obvious enough. <laughs> they're both uh, potential uh, corner infielders. They're they're trying to dash back in the outfield for now, but uh, add some thump to that Stanford lineup, which frankly could uh, could use a little bit of it. They've been pitching pretty well the last couple of years, but scoring runs has been uh, not quite as good for them. Um, Jimmer, you wanted to talk about um, Logan Davidson, who's a shortstop at Clemson, which had the freshman of the year last year in Seth Beer, and now they've uh, they've exactly, got another yeah. really good one. Just uh, you, you noted this in your, your write up on that class. This this would have been the Seth Beer class had he not uh, graduated high school early. But um, so I wonder where they would have. Sure, they would have been. I think you've got them uh, what thirteenth, fifteenth. But I'm sure they. Uh, had Seth Beer in there, they'd probably been even higher. But anyway, um, yeah, Logan Davidson, you know, the short switch hitting shortstop, you know, the highest rated guy in their class was 131 in the uh, BA 500. But he was a guy that really came on strong this spring out of a uh, high school in Charlotte. And yeah, I mean, he's a polished defender. It sounds like the bat's coming on. And I mean, he's going to be, you know, like we were kind of saying off air, he's going to step in for them you know, right away, be their shortstop for a team that's obviously gonna, coming off a. Of, being a national seed and you're going to certainly going to have high expectations in year two under Monty Lee. And like we we're saying that, uh, you know, their coaches were saying he's been probably, you know, one of, if not their best players in the, so far in the fall, they've been, sounds like he's really going to you know, have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot to say about on their season. Yeah. And you know, the thing with Logan Davidson and he is, he's a guy who really kind of, you know, emerged in the spring this past year. I mean, he's a guy that scouts are always looking at just because he's, you know, a very good fielder at shortstop, you know, shows some tools there. But he really he really grew just physically as a senior in high school and really caught the attention of some major league he's teams. He's a big and, kid. Yeah, I mean, he really just hit a growth spurt and, you know, fat, a lot faster than people thought he would. I mean, they always projected him a little bit, but, you know, it came on a little, a little faster. And so he's a guy who, you know, you're looking at, at him as a defensive shortstop, a guy who could grow into a more of an offensive player, and he's, he, you know, could already be there. You know, he's kind of jump-starting that a little bit, and he's a guy who could, you know, obviously, you know, impact that Clemson team right away. Um, a, a guy who, I mean, obviously there's a void there with Eli White leaving, you know, a guy who played short the last couple of years for them. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, he's going to be really interesting to watch for sure. I think given his size, um, you know, he's, uh, I think they have him at 6'3", um, and the kind of offensive potential he has, I think he's going to remind a lot of people at Clemson of Brad Miller. Um, who was an All-American at shortstop for them and has uh, developed into a, a really good big leaguer. Um, you know, this year I think he hit 30 home runs or something for the Rays. Like, it was, it was absurd. But, um, you know, Davidson isn't maybe that kind of offensive player at this point. Like, Mike, you were saying, you know, he's, he's got the chance to develop more offense. Yeah. But um, he's maybe a little bit better defender than Brad Miller was. Uh, but I think when you see a guy that's six three and they got, they've got him at one ninety right now, uh, standing out there at shortstop in a Clemson uniform, I, I think a lot of people are going to think about Brad Miller and and what he was able to do for the Tigers. Um, so if Logan Davidson's able to have that kind of impact, that's obviously a a really significant player for them going forward. The rankings here uh, go go through twenty five. Uh, we have. The next 10 going online as well, uh, I don't rank those, but I do identify them. And there's some interesting classes there as well. Um, in the Big Ten, you got Michigan and Indiana bringing in uh, nice halls. And um, San Diego out west brought in three really high upside pitchers uh, for, for those guys to work with. And all over the country, really, there are, there are really good recruiting classes. I think sometimes 
we, um, you know, we, we obviously focus on the top 25 classes, but it goes beyond that. Um, you know, the, the recruiting coordinators at, at every school in the country are out there working really hard. And um, I know a lot of them were in Florida last weekend for an underclass tournament in Fort Myers while, you know, Hurricane Matthew is bearing down on the east coast of Florida. All these guys are going in to watch guys on the west coast of Florida. That's, uh, that's just the job. And, um, you know, the, these guys, they, they really work really hard and um, they don't get as much attention uh, during the season. So it's, uh, it's good that we're able to, to recognize them, um, you know, here in the, in the, in the off season while, while we're talking about these, uh, these recruiting classes. Um, so guys, you know, I know we're still a little, a uh, little ways away from, from the season, but are, are you starting to get excited? Is there uh, is there excitement here in October with, with, uh, you know, hearing about fall ball around the country, you know, seeing the, the new players on campus? Oh yeah. I'm always excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm always ready to go, Teddy. You know that, uh, <laughs> you know, we, yeah, like you said, I mean, fall ball is going on. We have some, uh, I know Louisville has their, their pizza bowl going on, you know, around this area, you know, UNC has their fall world series every year and, you know, all these, you know, inter-squad things that I'm sure we'll, we'll check out a few, um, that are at least close to us. And yeah, I mean, it is an exciting time of year and, you know, this kind of, I know, at least for me, it starts to get the ball rolling as far as thinking about, okay, who's going to be in our preseason top 25, you know, now that we're seeing how some of these players are performing in the fall and, you know, how these recruits and coming recruits, how they're going to impact their teams. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely excited. And we got you know teams are rolling out their schedules. Uh, that's always kind of exciting to see, you know, where we might want to go or you know who's going to see who has a tough schedule, who doesn't. So you know, I always kind of think about it from the, you know, the tournament, you know, the you know RPI and all that kind of that kind of perspective. So that's kind of fun to just kind of pour over a little bit and put a little thought into. And yeah, so it's it's a uh, it's, it's there's still still college baseball to think about. It never ends. If you don't want it to end, it never ends. And uh, we don't ever want it to end here. Um, I enjoy this part, th- this time of the season, to t- hearing about all these new players for, from coaches. And, uh, you know, it, it, like Mike, you said, you know, it, it, it starts the ball rolling on the, the top 25. Like, oh, okay, who's, uh, who's got what to plug what holes? And, uh, you know, obviously we we know some things going into, you know, in the spring, but you got to wait till the draft plays out. You know, there are surprises every year and, um, you know, it's, uh, it won't be that long before we're, before we're starting to have to put that, that preseason top 25 together. But for now, you know, we're, uh, we just have a thing called the prospect handbook to do between. Yes. Now. <laughs> uh, for now, at baseball America, uh, there is the prospect handbook season and so. it's, uh, it's pretty significant. Uh, so you should all check that out when it comes out in, uh, in January or February, whenever, uh, whenever you can finally, uh, get that in your hands. I know everyone is, is eagerly anticipating it every year. Um, there, there are always plenty of tweets wondering when the, theirs will, uh, theirs will arrive in the mail. Um, but we gotta, it's a lot of work to put that thing together. It's a lot of work to put these recruiting rankings together. I enjoy doing it, but, uh, it's, uh, it's a long few weeks. So go check it out. It's online. There are still some additional recruiting content that, that we'll be rolling out over the next few days and into next week as well. Um, so you can check that all out at Baseball America. But don't go anywhere because Mississippi coach Mike Bianco is going to tell you about the Mississippi recruiting class and about the recruiting process in general. Uh, he kind of went through it a little bit recently um, with his son, um, who is a, a 
still in high school, but uh, was was recently committed to uh, LSU. Bianco has a very interesting perspective, both as a head coach and former assistant coach and, and a parent who, who has been through the recruiting process. And uh, so there's a lot of great stuff in that interview. Uh, thank you to Mike and to Jim for joining me. And let's hear from uh, from Coach Bianco. Uh, well, joining us today on the Baseball America podcast is uh, Mississippi coach Mike Bianco. Uh, his Rebels uh, just put together the uh, number one recruiting class in the country, as as we'd mentioned before. Uh, so thank you, Coach, for joining us today. And, and just how uh, how's it feeling down there uh, in Oxford uh, with, with uh, fall ball started and, and these new guys on campus? Well, thanks, Teddy. And, you know, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, it's an exciting time. I, I think for every program in the fall, you know, uh, when you start a new, uh, it's 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 always great to to, to one, you know, welcome in a, a new class, but then to 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 see the returners and you know how much they've grown as players, and uh, but you know especially this year with this you know outstanding class that you know Carl Lafferty's put together. Uh, you know, along uh, with you know another one of our assistants, Mike Clement, uh, just you know an outstanding class, you know from top to bottom, and uh, you know excited to have those guys. You know, we've been out now for you know three weeks of inter squads, and uh, it's been impressive. So obviously, with, with baseball in, in recruiting, it, it's a it's a little complicated. Um, you know, with the draft and and then getting them through the draft and, and all the rest of that. When what was it like watching the draft this year, seeing it unfold, seeing these guys not get picked uh, in the first couple days or definitely in the first day? And, and when did you kind of realize that, that this was all coming together for um, for this group? Well, you know, I think there's there's certain moments, you know, throughout it. And, uh, you know, if you would have told us last year at this time that, you know, they would all show up, uh, I don't think anybody would believe you. I don't know if I would have believed you, you know, five minutes before the draft. And, uh, uh, but, but, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, we've always believed in is, you know, you know, get, you know, signing kids that are going to show up. And, and I think that starts with, you know, uh, kids and, and families, you know, moms and dads that, you know, value education. And, uh, you, they want to, they, they want to do this first, you know, in their, in their baseball life. They want to go, you know, experience college and college baseball and baseball in the Southeastern Conference and, and then start their professional career. And, uh, and, you know, I think that's where it all starts. Uh, but you don't know when it's as, as talented as group as the ones that we, you know, we signed, you know, last November. You just don't know. And, uh, fortunately for us, you know, a lot of those kids, you know, uh, stuck to their number, uh, and, uh, you know, where it would have been easy. And I always think it's easier sometimes for, for, for a young person, 18 years old, to sign a professional baseball contract rather than show up at school, uh, because there's so much money involved. And, uh, but, uh, you know, these kids stuck true to their number. And, uh, so I guess that was a long answer to your, to your question, but probably, you know, uh, you know, after day two, uh, you know, you feel really good about the class. You know, obviously, when you go into this, you talk about sticking to their number and everything. How much work um, do you guys have to do to to try and suss out who is who is serious about education, and, and how do you how do you find those kids? Um, you know, what, what what are you looking for when you're uh, when you're recruiting for for stuff like that? Well, you know, I, I think it's different in every situation. I think that's what makes you know recruiting one so difficult. Uh, 
for for guys like you know Carl Lafferty uh, and all the other recruiters out there. Uh, yeah, because obviously you're going to look for talent. You're you're, you're going to look for guys that that are going to make a difference in your program. But as they start to, to to talk to the kids and talk to the moms and dads, you know, they start to get a good feel. And, you know, those, those really, you know, ultra-talented players, everybody knows who they are. You know, and it's, you know, it's not like you're finding this diamond in the rough. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the difference is, you know, as you continue to recruit them, you, 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 as you talk to the parents and you realize, you know, uh, you know, they went to college themselves. They, 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 you know, uh, they want that experience for for their son. Uh, you know, then then you start to have a good feel of you know this, this is a kid that's it's going to take you know some big time money uh, for him not to show up. And and even with that, you know, uh, you, it, there's a lot of luck involved. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, we're proud of this class, but we we're, you know not only is it a lot of work from from Carl. And, and Mike, uh, but I think uh, you know a lot of luck involved to, to get all get all of them to show up. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you're used to seeing one or two go away, but but to get the whole class there, that that certainly is a a rare occurrence. Um, you also have in, in this group uh, several guys that, that played USA baseball, um, you know, both in the 18U program and, and maybe uh, younger down. What is uh what is seeing them do that um, you know do for you and and, and how do you uh, and and how does that help their their development process? Well, of course, you know USA Baseball, and I was fortunate enough, you know, in two thousand and thirteen to to to, to coach uh, you know that that uh, that summer with Jim Schlossnagel and Tim Esme. Uh, it was a you know a great experience for me, and I can only imagine as a player watching those guys. Uh, you know, and I think you know one to to be associated with that organization, to to make that team, to 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 be a member of a team that's you know the the best you know of of its age, you know uh, that our country has to offer as far as baseball, and then to travel internationally uh, to to compete against the best players in the world in your age group, uh, it's got to be you know not only a, a great experience and one that I think those kids will cherish the rest of their lives, but also. So uh, one that you know through their development as a baseball player, you can only imagine that that it's it's it, it builds so much confidence, but it's also so humbling, you know. And and I, and I think the combination of both, you know, really help these these young players uh, as they grow and mature as a baseball player. So now that you've been able to to see these guys uh, for a few weeks playing playing with their their new teammates, uh, has anyone stood out to you so far? Well, you know, uh, you, you start to realize, I think, as a class, how, how super talented they are. But, uh, you know, it's really, uh, you know, as, as we continue to go, I, I'm, I'm very guarded uh, to, to make, you know, early decisions and, you know, watch. People say, you know, you know basically your question, who, who's shining so far, who, who looks great? But, you know, it's, it's hard to, to not recognize, you know, Will Etheridge out there. He's 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 looked terrific, you know. He looked you know like a seasoned vet, you know, through the first three weeks. Uh, the way he's commanded his fastball on both sides of the plate and throwing his breaking ball. Uh, Ryan Rollison had a little uh, little tendonitis in his shoulder uh, and missed the first week, uh, uh, but 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 the stuff looks you know so good and, and and what you know we saw in high school and and what you know I think all the pro scouts seen. Uh, Gray Kessinger at shortstop, 
you know, certainly not a surprise to us that, you know, that he's going to be able to play on the left side of the infield and, uh, and, and through the first, you know, three weeks of inner squads. He looks so solid. Again, another, you know, confident, uh, you know, player, you know, as a true freshman. And, and I think that's one of the things as you, as you go through, uh, we know they're talented, but I always think the biggest challenge for us as coaches is can we get these kids to play like they played, uh, before they got here? You know, because you know it's 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 different when they get here. They're they're on a field. There's uh, uh, with a lot more talented players around them. There's a lot more depth at each position. You know, they're they're challenged in, in a lot a lot of ways that they've never been challenged before. But uh, some other guys, you know, Cooper Johnson, you know, behind the plate, uh, you know, looks terrific. And you know, Thomas Dillard, who's also a catcher, uh, but also known for his offensive prowess, has already hit you know a few home runs in the inner squad games and uh has really gotten off to a great start offensively cooper uh is one of the best defenders probably at any position in last year's draft class what is having a guy like that for the next few years catching your your staff what, what does that do for a team potentially well you know he, he he's as you said you know he's a great defender at you know maybe the most important defensive position you know could obviously be argued with shortstop but uh, uh, you know with him and Thomas back there uh, and we return Nick Fortes and another uh, you know, redshirt freshman and, and uh, Carson Klepsik I, I don't know if we've ever had this much depth you know uh, behind the plate before and we've we've had some great catchers through the pro uh, through the years in our program but. Uh, I don't know if we've ever had a, a freshman uh, step in, you know, uh, that looked like Cooper, you know, defensively and uh, the way he receives the ball, uh, the way he blocks the ball, the way, uh, you know, he throws the ball. And, you know, maybe the most impressive thing for me, uh, for Coop, uh, is, you know, how coachable he is. You know, here's a guy that was a super high-profile player i'm sure one that even days before the draft most people thought he wouldn't get to college uh but when he gets here uh you know how hungry and, and his thirst to, to just improve and to get better and you know it's been a pleasure to to, to work with him behind the plate i know mike clement you know talks about him every day in the cage and, and the improvements and the strides that he's made offensively you know and so to me that's that's the neat thing is you know he wants to get better there's a really good player that, that that's going to get a lot better you uh you have a couple local kids in this class as well um what, what's it like being able to to bring in some guys uh from from there in oxford well it's really neat for me you know we you know uh you know here in oxford mississippi where you know the populations you know in you know uh, in the teens meaning it's about you know 15 17 thousand people and two local high schools and uh, in 16 years, we, we've, uh, I think we've, you know, signed, uh, one, maybe two players, you know, out of the, out of the town and, you know, to get four, you know, in, in one year. And, uh, Jason Barber, Houston Roth, Gray Kessinger, and Thomas Dillard. And, you know, uh, we've talked about Gray and, and Thomas, uh, but Houston, uh, Roth and, and Jason Barber, two right-handed pitchers that were on that team. Uh, from Oxford High School that uh, won back-to-back state championships. And, you know, uh, and, and obviously there's not a secret to that. They, you know, they're very talented to have four players uh, that uh, on last year's team that are going to play in the you know, Southeastern Conference. But those two right-handed pitchers, you know, Houston and uh, Jason were, I think, a, 
a huge part of it. You know, I think uh, those are the guys that maybe, you know, on a national level may have fallen under the radar, but, you know, certainly, you know, where they are here in, in Oxford, Mississippi, and in our state, and Jason was the Gatorade Player of the Year two, two years in a row. And, uh, you know, when you have two aces like that, you're running them out every game. Uh, you know, you, you, you're going to have a special team. So it's exciting for me. I think it's exciting for uh, the people of Oxford. You know, they, you know, a lot of times when we bring in a recruiting class, because uh, there's there's only so many publications like like yours uh, nationally. Uh, that our our people don't know a lot of the kids. You know, don't know their names, but they they certainly you know know the four from Oxford. So I think that's a it's a neat touch to this class. Yeah, it keeps uh keeps Mike and Carl home a little bit more, or did the last <laughs> last couple of years. What what about the the amount of time that those guys spend out on the road l- looking at these guys? Um, what what can you say about about your assistance here? You know, uh, and that's why I even asked when when you asked, uh, you know, uh, you know, for the interview, I was like, you know, are you sure you don't want Carl on the phone because th- this is their work. You know, uh, you know, as the head coach, we get a lot of the credit for a lot of things that happen in our program, and, and you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, those guys get overlooked, and you know, those are the guys, and, and this isn't just coaches speak. You know, they they they've done the work. You know, I mean, I'm. Uh, I'm fortunate and blessed to have two great assistant coaches and Carl Lafferty and Mike Clement. Uh, just really proud of them. But like you said, the work that, that goes into this, you know, years ago, you know, uh, you know, uh, when I first got here, uh, the best hire that I've ever had was, you know, hiring a guy named Dan McDonald to be my recruiting coordinator the first six years of the program. And, you know, he was tremendous. But, but that was back in the day when, you know, Dan and, and guys like Jim Toman, you know, uh, you know, roamed the, you know, roamed the country finding players and you could do it with one guy. And, uh, if the guy was real good. And, uh, and, and, and you, you saw that in a lot of programs, but it's, it's not a one man show anymore. You know, certainly Carl heads it up and he's everywhere. Uh, but you gotta have a, you know, uh, you know, uh, a partner, you know, with you. And, you know, Mike's been terrific and a great addition to our program a few years ago. And, and you, you're right. It, it takes it so much time away from not only the program, but their families. I mean, I think it's a, it's a, one of those where, you know, a lot of wives should be commended for this because you know they've been without their you know their their husbands for, you know for basically you know the entire summer so uh you know it's paid off their hard work and that that's that's neat to to, to see but uh certainly there's a ton of work that goes into it now you um and your son recently went through the process kind of from the other side um with, with, with your son andrew what uh what did you learn from from that process or or uh, you know, did you take anything away from uh, from that experience? Well, you know, certainly it was it was different, and you know, as as you as your kids get older and, and start to get recruited, and you know, some of the things that uh, you, you tell parents and advice that you give parents, you, you got to make sure that you know, you, you heed that advice, and uh, and uh, you know. Uh, I, you know, I watched him and, you know, of course they, they're getting recruited at such a young age now and, and Drew committed, you know, last year to LSU as a sophomore. And, uh, you know, it, it was the place that, you know, he, he wanted to go. He went there and met, you know, Coach Maneri and, of course, you know, had a, a good relationship going in with uh, Coach Canizero by talking to him on the phone and, 
And, uh, you know, it was neat to see that, I think, the process from the other side. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I think, you know, as I have other kids, you know, that, uh, you know, are growing and looking for places to go, you, you tell people that, you know, you got to be patient and you got to, you know, just keep playing the game, not, not worry so much about that process. Just let that process take care of itself. Every, I think for everybody's, you know, recruiting situation is different. There's kids that, you know, we'll go play and have a good weekend or a good week, and, you know, all of a sudden things fall in line for him very quickly. And then there's talented kids that, uh, you know, don't get, uh, you know, offered until their senior year. And, uh, and you know, we've seen that throughout the year. Sometimes, you know, some of the best players that you have in a recruiting class are the kids that, you know, you signed or committed, you know, you know at the end. And uh, not necessarily the, the first guys that you committed out of that class, and and so, uh, but it's it's I've, I've been fortunate, uh, you know, uh, you know, to, to watch my my kids, you know, go through the process a little bit. Now, I also wanted to to ask you about your, your team coming back as a whole. Uh, obviously, you guys hosted a regional last year. Uh, we're in the SEC race, right right down to the the final weekend and everything. Um, several of those players have moved on to pro ball now, but. Uh, what, how do you feel like this team is coming along, and um, you know, as as we go through the fall here? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, Ted, you know, this summer, you know, when you looked at the returners, and I said, you know, this is going to be a really good mix, you know, of returners, and of course, uh, this great recruiting class coming in, and uh, you know, you want you as, as I'm thinking in the summer, and as we're meeting as a staff, you know. Uh, you know, we want to you know, make sure that you know, we do everything our we we can do to to help facilitate the team chemistry, to help develop leadership on the team in the fall. And I, I remember as we got close to the fall, I, I looked at the roster, and at some point it was broken down by classes. Uh, and I realized we we only have two seniors, which may be the fewest I've ever had. Uh, and uh, I think we have six juniors. And so we have eight upperclassmen uh, on the roster right now and 29 freshmen and sophomore. And so on paper, we look extremely young. Uh, but as you know, the reason that we're talking today, one, the freshman class is, you know, outstanding. But two is the sophomore class is really good. And, uh, you know, made up of a lot of guys that, you know, played a, you know, huge role in last year's success and three freshman All-Americans in that class. And of the eight upperclassmen in the juniors and seniors, all of them have played. All of them have played and contributed and, 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 you know, vital roles over the last few years. So it's not like, you know, you have, you know, eight upperclassmen, but, you know, only a handful of those guys contributed. I mean, all of them have contributed. All of them have been, you know, you know, starters in the program and, you know, on the mound and in the field. So uh, I think it's a, it's a really good mix. And, uh, and, and even though I think on paper, I was even surprised at how young we'll, we will look. And, and I guess by age we are, but, you know, even with that young age, a lot of guys that have experience. Now also October is, uh, is the playoffs. Um, you, you guys don't have that many guys, uh, in, in the playoffs this year to watch Drew Pomerantz, I guess is, is the lone, uh, Ole Miss, uh, guy still, still playing here in October, but. Do you have time to watch Chris Coglin? Oh, Chris, Chris Coglin with the Cubs. Absolutely. Uh, how could I forget that? Um, do you have time to watch the playoffs, or, or is fall ball too much of your life at this point? Oh no, I, I think everybody. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm 
you know, uh, I have the MLB package of my house, and my, <laughs> you know, TV provider, and and uh, I watch. I try to watch as much as I can. You know, when when I'm at home, you know, I'll, I'll flip on the Reds and try to catch Cozart, or you know, the Mariners if it's late, and try to catch Smith, or you know, some of the guys. Uh, but it's tough, and uh, but it's neat. You know, this time of year to watch, you know, uh, Major League Baseball. And I think one of the things that 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 I've always seen and appreciated about the play playoffs is they play more like we do now you know through the 162 games you know i think when you go to a college game the, the players play with more energy uh, uh i think that, that the crowds realize that how how valuable every win and every you know loss are and uh, but when you get to this playoffs you, you see the guys you know come out of their seats and the emotion in the dugout and the emotion on the field unlike that you see through the 162 games and i don't mean that they don't they don't you know that this is not to say that they don't try or they're not playing hard they are but they know that the value of every pitch when you're getting down to you know the one one game wild card game and then the five games uh, and then the, the best of seven and so on um you know, it shrinks that 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 season down so much, much like the season that we play. You know, when you watch conference play and you, you watch a series on the weekend, and you know that how pivotal it is, you know, uh, to, to your you know your overall season, those three games. Well, Coach, I really want to thank you for for coming on the Baseball America podcast today, for taking the time to to talk with us, and, and congratulations again on uh, on the top ranked recruiting class. Thanks so much, Teddy. I enjoyed it. Thank you. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.